people, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. So we are sitting here with Chantel. She has a wonderful website called Growing Up Without Borders. Her and her family, her husband, her three daughters, have been traveling the world for about five years now. They've been to over 91 countries, maybe about 93. And they went four and a half, five years ago on a five-week holiday to Europe. They loved it so much that they decided to continue traveling. And they went back to North America for just a little bit, but only to pack their bags. And they headed right back to Europe. And they've been living this independent location lifestyle for uh, about five years now. So welcome, Chantal, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Yes, yes it's been a process trying to get us all together, but I'm glad that we're able to do that today. So Chantel, tell us a little bit about your backstory. I mean, this is kind of crazy, right? That you go on a vacation with your family and decide, you know what? We need to do this because I think a lot of people with children tend to feel as though this is far fetched and out of their reach. So can you go back to that day when you guys were on that vacation and when you decided or you turned to your husband, Tyler, and said, you know what, babe, let's do this? Yeah, I mean, when we were first just getting started, first of all, we waited till our youngest was, you know, of the age where we didn't have to carry around a diaper bag. And, you know, she was fully potty trained and all that stuff that goes along with little, little ones just to make it easier on ourselves. And um, I had this like feeling in the back of my I guess my gut feeling like, you know, five weeks is just not going to cut it. Like I was really nervous to go because I was like, as soon as I go, I know I'm not going to want to come back. And I remember telling everyone, you know, we're going on this five week trip and everyone's like, oh, it's the trip of a lifetime and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, man, it's not going to be the trip of a lifetime because it can't just be like a one time thing. Right. So we already kind of had that in us. As soon as we started traveling and being out there like that, we were just right away like in love with the whole experiment and experience of it all. And uh, we just didn't want to go back. And it's sometimes a little bit, I wouldn't say worrisome, but sometimes when we get somewhere and we really like it, we're like, why don't we just stay longer here? You know, and it's always like, should we really do the move again? Because now technically our home is in Europe right now. Currently we're in Nicaragua and we're, we're just, (laughs) we are loving it here. So we were saying that today, I hope it's not one of these Europe things where we're going to be now in Central America for five years. I don't know. And that might be, I mean, because that happens quite often to people. They go one place and they extend it. So tell us a little bit how you positioned yourself as a family, because one of the things that we get from our listeners is that because they have kids, you know, they're not able to either travel more or live abroad. So can you share with us how you positioned yourself and your family to make this thing last as much as you guys have? I guess the first key would be flexibility. I mean, we have a very, every one of us, we're just very flexible. The kids have learned to adapt 
for me, it's normal, like the way they act, right? But for a lot of people outside looking in, they're like, wow, your kids are just so easygoing and they just kind of go with the flow. And maybe that's what happens when you move around so much. They learn to be, they kind of learn to get along with less, you know, they don't have their toys always with them. They don't have, you know, all the things that you have in a traditional home or the routines of dance and everything. But it's just a different lifestyle. And I guess because we're all in it together, we're just going with the flow. Is it doable? Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> but is it everyone's dream lifestyle? Maybe not, but it's definitely doable. And the kids just learn so many great experiences and they meet so many cool friends along the way. When you have that flexibility and then what's even cooler is if you meet other people along the way that have that same flexibility and then the kids the same age, then you both decide to stay maybe, oh, let's all stay an extra week and that's what's happening right now. So we met this really cool family from New Zealand and every day they're like, hey, we're going to stay an extra day and we're like, yeah, so are we. And so then, you know, it's just you have complete flexibility on your schedule and where you want to go and it's just awesome. So Chantel, you use the word flexibility, but what does that look like? Were you an at-home mom prior or, you know, were there jobs involved that you guys had to think about before? Because that's, I think that's what we're trying to say is like the flexibility necessarily isn't always present. How do you create that? Well, from the get-go, when I first met my husband, Tyler, we had said no to certain work contracts that were going to hold us down, if you will. So we only said yes to work that was going to allow us to have a location-independent lifestyle. So I was fully working. I mean, I worked through, as soon as my babies were born, I was working. You know, <laughs> I didn't have like the maternity leave like some people do. So I was always, you know, working, always at a computer, always online. And um, we had that flexibility in our jobs to be able to be location independent. And going to Europe was our first time trying a different time zone. We were really nervous about that because we were like, you know, how's it going to work? And, and and we just made it work. And so sometimes, you know, you're up late because you're talking with a client in America, in our case. Uh, same thing happened when we were in the Southeast Asia. I was sometimes working, believe it or not, at two in the morning, which sounds ridiculously crazy, but we sacrificed certain things to have the lifestyle that we want. So that's how we made it work. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how your kids, I know you said that your kids have really adapted to this whole journey that you guys are on, because some of the fear is that are we disrupting our kids' education? Are we disrupting our kids in regards to socializing them and making sure that they make friends? Can you speak a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So that is one of my, I guess, I wouldn't say fears, but my concerns is because all the responsibilities on you, right? When you're a parent and you're taking them out of the school system and now you're homeschooling or world schooling or whatever you want to call it. But when you start to do it, you realize that there's so many other things and so many components that they're learning outside of the system of a traditional school that it's just a different way of learning. And so their history and geography that I traditionally had them doing, like if you will, in a textbook format, I've just scrapped the whole curriculum there because they're learning more when we're traveling in the different countries and the cultures and the languages that I don't need to sit down and study the Egyptian, you know, history or whatever when we're going to an Egyptian museum museum in like Torino, Italy that has like way better, you know, exposition that I could ever teach them out of a textbook. So they're learning hands-on, if you will, certain subjects. And then the other subjects, I'm a little bit concerned, if you will, because it's a lot of pressure on us as parents to make sure that they're up to speed and so on. But as far as socialization goes, my kids are so social that they'll play with like a 65-year-old 
man, and they'll be like, hey, can we play some cards? As much as they'll play with like a little three, four, five-year-old little baby, you know, like they're not really, they have the social skills to interact with people and they're meeting friends as they go along. So it's not the traditional friend that you would have where you see every day at school. So yeah, that component is missing. But we do get that when we go back to our home base uh, and stay, you know, a few months at a time or a couple weeks at a time, then we can interact with the local friends that they traditionally had before. And how old are your children? Uh, so right now they are 10 and then 13 and our oldest just turned 15. Okay, so it makes sense because majority of their lives have been nomadic. So that's what they know. Absolutely. So we're originally from Canada. And when our kids were already four weeks and two and four, we were already going to Florida and then coming back to Canada. So we were similar. We were like snowbirds, you know, at that time going back and forth. So they already had this transitional lifestyle that they were somewhat used to, not completely, but a little bit. Okay, then that makes it a little bit easier. Now for your eldest, she's 15. That's such the age of my friends this, my friends that, you know what I mean? So how does she really uh, deal with not holding on to friendships long term, right? Because you are nomadic, so you're moving around a lot. And at 15, they usually have this sense of, you know, my best friend or my friends. Is that something that she goes through or is she dealing and adapting well to just being nomadic? So I'm going to ask her to reply because she's here right beside me. So I'm going to ask her to jump in a little bit. But for my take, I mean, thank God we have WhatsApp and Skype and different means to communicate. So she is able to communicate with her, you know, her one friend that she has back home, her good friend. But let me just quickly ask her. So, Julia, when you're on the road, how is it? with, you know, friends, because you are in the teenage years and you don't always have your best friend with you all the time. And what's it like for you? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Um. Well, first of all, hi, everyone. Yeah, it's nice. I like traveling and I always meet new friends. But yeah, definitely with social media and like WhatsApp and all that, it's definitely made it a lot easier to communicate with everyone. And there's sometimes when I'm like kind of missing my friends, but I always see them during the summer, so I don't mind it too much. Hey, Julia, thank you for jumping on. So you're right with social media, it would make it a little bit easier. Do you stand out amongst your friends as the girl who's always traveling, like, does that help you out in the sense of getting more friends? Because you're going to places that people have probably never been to or probably never will go to at such a young age. So how does that work with you being 15 and on social media? Um, well, hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm kind of more reserved, but I guess, yeah, I'm still, yeah, I guess when I see something, people will be like, oh, there's the YouTuber you know, but it's nice, and I travel, and I like to share my experiences, mm, but yeah, it's good. Awesome. Julia, this is Francis, and it's so nice to have you here. It's still nice to have a, um, a younger person's perspective. So let me ask you, Julia, what are some of the things that you feel that uh, you've enjoyed the most about traveling? What I've enjoyed most is definitely, like, the experiences and what we've been able to see and just everything like from the transportation and just how to get to places and the friends we meet and the relationships 
it's just everything combined makes it so nice. I would say when we're traveling, what makes a place so amazing sometimes is the people that we're meeting while we're there. I mean, we've hung out with young backpackers who have decided to come along the journey with us for a few nights stay here and a few nights stay there. And then we end up kind of transitioning with them to grandparents that we adopted and we're like, we met up in different countries afterwards to now these friends here that have extended their stay. And so have we, and it's just like you meet just the most amazing people and you meet and make in-depth relationships that you technically have for years, right? It's just amazing. Now I just want to get into a little bit about because I know as parents, one of the things that we've noticed with families abroad is that, you know, you're with, you know, your kids all the time and you guys are all together all the time. As parents, do you guys have some time to um, have some personal time? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, we try. That is uh, that's a very interesting question because some people say, oh, my gosh, I would never be able to spend X amount of time with my spouse or with my kids all the time. But it's really funny how when you're put in that situation, everything seems to work out. And so, yes, you have your moments where um, maybe it's too much family time, if you will. But then there are times when you can, you know, get away. In our case, just the two of us. I mean, our kids are now more grown up. And so in certain countries, we feel totally fine and totally safe to leave them and we go out so we can go and have a drink. We did that last night and uh, came back and it's fine. So, yes, we do have our, our time alone, if you will, but not always. So it is a lot of family time together. But like I said, you, you make it work and everyone seems to be happy. So works out for us. That's great. I mean, honestly, it's a dream come true, right? Because of the fact that you're letting our listeners know as a family, you're able to still have these experiences that are really fulfilling for the adults and the children. And on top of that, you're seeing and experiencing things together, which a lot of times we don't take the opportunity to do that. So I think it's absolutely amazing. Do you have any let's see, crazy stories on your travels as a family so far, or even some scary stories about your travels thus far. All right. I'm trying to think of some of our wackiest or craziest stories. Um, We've been stuck at borders before where the border um, control, what do you call those people? They were the border guys, basically um, trying to hassle us a little bit, telling us things like their machines are down or things like that. And then you're stuck and you're under their mercy. Um, so we were once at a border. We arrived with plenty of time. It was fully daylight afternoon and we were there till way after sundown. I mean, we were there till I think like nine or 10 at night, like ridiculous. It's one of these schemes that they were trying to do so that you end up having to take a taxi and at their rate. So long story short, we just had like basically a guardian angel, this big guy from South Africa. We were crossing the border, by the way, from Malawi into Mozambique. This big South African guy comes and he's like, what's going on here? And I'm like, their visa machines are down and they just started working. He's like, oh, no, 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 you guys are being uh, taken advantage of and you're going to come with me. And so we were like, well, who do we believe, you know? So we ended up going with him and his truck, all five of us in the back of his, uh, he had a pickup truck and uh, we were in the, like the back seat and his, one of his workers in the front. And then, um, then we got a flat tire. And so it just like went on and on. But in long story short, we ended up staying at his campsite 
And uh, it all worked out in the end. It was really funny. So we've been in, you know, funny situations like that. Yeah. And, and when you're in the situation is not so funny, right? Because as a foreigner in a new country, they automatically think, you know, I know you guys are from Canada, but when a lot of people see the blue passport and see that we're from the U.S., they automatically assume or believe that, you know, you have the money. So they try to, you know, get past a little bit. But that's great that you guys had somebody come and pretty much save the day. But I'm yeah. sure during the situation, you're like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, and you try to keep your cool and be nice and calm and collective, and you really don't know what's happening all the time, right? But we've had so many funny stories like that. I mean, most people probably wouldn't do what we do. I mean, we've um, cross, we always cross borders by foot in certain cases, and then just grab a, a shuttle or a taxi on the other side. And uh, we had the same thing in Colombia going in, and we were a little bit concerned because where we were staying at the Airbnb in Quito. The guy was like, and that was in Ecuador, he was like, oh, you know, like, you guys are gringos. It's probably not a good idea to go in the afternoon, but, you know, we wouldn't even do it. And we're like, oh, gosh, what do we do? So we went. (laughs) And then we crossed the border by foot and we got into a car that we weren't sure was a taxi. We always kind of see on GPS on our phones, you know, the direction we should be going. And all of a sudden he started veering off a different way. And I was just starting to panic. I'm like, that's it. We're getting kidnapped, mugged, everything. You know, all these thoughts go through your head. So I start putting money in my underwear, <laughs> doing all these crazy things. I'm like, my heart's beating. And then uh, for whatever reason, he just went a different way and then veered back around. And I was just like, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> it was one of those like panic moments where you're like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that comes from a lot of just fear from our home countries, even in the States. So we have all these crazy ideas that are running through our heads. But then when we come abroad, there's this openness and we become more open and faithful in other people's generosity. And just we just go out in a leap of faith when it comes to I've been in cars that I just met people. I've been I remember one time walking from school uh, when I was teaching in Thailand, uh, southern Thailand, and somebody just picked us and the teachers up and I was in the car and I was like, oh, do you guys know them? And they're like, no. And they just gave us a ride home. I mean, we only lived like 10 minutes away, but we had no idea who they were. And I thought, but that's what happens. Sometimes you you have a bit of faith in in humanity and you find that people are really relatively good people. Unbelievably true. So I totally agree 100%. Every single country we go to, people are people and they're all living their life, trying to, you know, make a living and raising their families. So we've never had issues ever. I mean, we we did the same thing in Brunei. Somebody was there and they stopped the car and they're like, hey, where are you guys walking to? Do you want to ride? And, you know, we're like, sure, you know, let's go. I mean, (laughs) so you just, but most people are genuinely nice and genuinely, you know, sincere and only want the best for you. So that's what we find pretty much everywhere we go. Yeah, that's been our experience as well. So we definitely understand that. And that's what we want to convey to our listeners is that it's not as big and bad as scary as you think. Of course, you know, you've got to use your street smarts and everything else. However, in the bigger grand scheme of things, uh, people are generally kind. Absolutely. And I would have to say right now we're in Nicaragua. Nicaragua is still... Um, if you go to book a flight, let's say from Canada to come here on their website, uh, on one airline company, it's like, oh, due to the the problems they're having, we are no longer flying our planes there and blah, blah, blah. But you come here and it's totally fine. 
I mean, maybe it wasn't in April, but it's it's completely fine. It's no, you know, there's no fear. Everything's safe. But people, you know, they listen to the news and it, it gets blown up so much or replayed over and over again. Or the travel advisories are put up on these websites and then it just drops all the tourism. And people are sincerely, literally in fear to come. And there's no reason to. There's no reason to so- be scared. So question, how do you choose which countries you guys are heading to? Because you did pretty much Europe. Now you're in Latin America. Is there a rhyme or reason or are you going checking off countries to say I've been to every country in the world? Um, Like is, you know, what's the. There is a massive <laughs> checklist and uh, it's being checked off one by one by one. And my husband has like these crazy plans and all the different trips planned out and everything's on spreadsheets. I mean, like it's all calculated. Um, it's just the time frame sometimes that isn't, you know, like we were supposed to be here in this one area for maybe three nights and it's been now two weeks and we've extended a whole month now. So sometimes it gets longer. You know, oftentimes we go on a one month trip and it turns into four. But we do have somewhat of a plan. And now we're getting into the more difficult countries. Someone told us when we first got started, you should do all the hard countries first, then do the easy countries. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know. And looking back, I'm like, that would have been a smart idea, you know, (laughs) because now we're getting into some of the more difficult countries. But um, that is the goal, to see every country in the world. So tell us a little bit what you mean by difficult countries. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Visas, mainly, and also security. You know, we're traveling with three blonde girls. And so certain countries, you know, for example, I don't know, going into Syria right now, is it okay? Or, you know, certain like, I don't know, Eritrea apparently is really hard. You can't even own a map. You have to ask permission to their government for every little thing. You know, I have a friend who went and they were they were asking, can we go to this museum? And it was like access denied, access denied on every single thing. So certain countries are just not easy to visit. That's actually a great point because you are I know a lot of people in the States. What I hear is they always ask, is it safe? Is it safe? And nine times out of 10, they're asking, is it safe from countries that are extremely metropolitan and very safe? However, there are some conflict countries and you do have young children. So do you are like, is there a plan to just say, you know what, let's just do the the beaten path versus the off the beaten path, right? Because sometimes off the beaten path, you're off the radar enough where you can potentially put yourself in a situation versus like, for instance, when we went to India, and we said, if we ever go back to northern India, we will definitely do five star and above for now on, you know, but we tried to do the off the beaten path, which made it a little bit, a little bit for us, a little difficult. Does that also go into play with you guys is how you're going to actually plan it out? Like, you know, resort versus Airbnb versus a guest house or something of that nature? Yeah, 100%. And so that's exactly it. In some countries, we may have to land at the airport, get a secure and like, you know, proper shuttle to, like you're saying, a really nice resort, you know, maybe quickly go visit the downtown market, whatever, and get out. You know, (laughs) that might be the case in certain areas. Other places might be a guided tour. You know, it really just depends on the state and the country that we're visiting, uh, you know, the state of what's going on in that country at the time. That's what we're planning to do. Yeah, that makes sense to have those considerations in place. I'm curious, how, what's it like planning for 
that many people and actually executing. Does, do things relatively go smoothly or are there little bumps in the road? But I know you mentioned your husband is the one that kind of puts all the spreadsheets together and does all that. What does it take to put all this and execute it? Um, well, there's actually a little team of us, if you will. So we, we plan out a lot of things. And especially now that we're doing this with YouTube, when we first got started, we were just traveling for the fun of it. And now we're traveling with more of a purpose, if you will. So when we visit a place, we're also planning talking points for that area and learning about the history of the area. And there's a lot of research that goes into it. And then how do we get around when we're there? And do we take the local bus or shuttle or taxi or what, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yes, there's a lot of, you know, research and different things like that, that goes into it. But it's just, I, I think it's the same amount of planning if you are five. And if you're one, you know, it's just added numbers. We try and lower our expectations everywhere we go so that we aren't disappointed. That's one thing that we found works really well for us. Because if you have a high expectation, then you often will be disappointed if things don't work out. And oftentimes when you're traveling, things don't work out. And so if you go expecting that it's not going to work, then at least you're not frustrated or disappointed. And that that's makes traveling so much easier when you're not in those mindsets, right? So you just go expecting nothing to work. And then when things sort of start to work or things are on time, then you're super happy, right? <laughs> yeah, we love that you said that because... A lot of times people come and go traveling and because they have all these high expectations and we always tell them you really when you're traveling, you really have to have zero expectations and that's going to make your travel experience that much more positive. So I love that you brought that up because it's so important. Absolutely. It's really funny because, you know, when you're in your traditional, if you will, countries that are fully developed and functioning, um, that's where I find we get mostly frustrated because we're so used to everything working so perfectly. We're like, wait. Why is the bus not on time and how did I miss it? And you're like, seriously, they didn't update the schedule. You know, that recently happened to me. And I was like, this should work. I'm in France. <laughs> yeah, so, a lot of things happen. So question, you brought up blogging, right? So when you guys first started, you know, years ago, I won't say that blogs were necessarily huge five years ago, but they were ramping up. Now that you're blogging, you know, full time and you have like, you know, the trademark on the name and everything, are you making a business out of travel? Yeah. I mean, for the longest time, we kept saying, what can we make this as a business so we can, you know, really do what we love and get paid for it on top of it. Right. And so we never really wanted to put ourselves out there, if you will, because, you know, if you go on YouTube uh, and a blog, then all of a sudden you're opening yourself up to the world. And, you know, we, we manage our traditional business and we didn't want it to affect what we traditionally do work-wise. And so it was this fine line, like, do we do it or do we not? And we stay kind of incognito where everyone thinks we're local and yet we're traveling the world. But our kids really encouraged us to do it. And it kind of made sense, you know, blogging, vlogging, all that kind of stuff. It just goes hand in hand. And I don't know if it was because we were out of the United States that we didn't realize how big it had gotten. Um, like you said, when we first started, it was a lot of, there was still a lot of bloggers and, but vlogging was still just maybe getting started as a career, right? So yeah, that's how for us, how we just started. And now we really are pushing for that to become our main business and have it take over the other. So that's our goal. I love that because what you're doing can inspire a lot of families and there is a fine line where you are opening your world, your kids, your all these relationships and all these experiences to the world. 
And there's a little sensitivity that goes along with that. It feels kind of weird because you're kind of exposing yourself. However, on the flip side, by doing so, you're expiring many families to say, hey, we can definitely do this. You know, if we put a plan in place, if we position ourselves because they see you doing it, it makes it very much possible. I hope you guys continue to do it. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think we will. I mean, we have no reason to stop, right? And we're loving it. And a lot of people will say, well, what are you going to do, you know, when you stop traveling and the kids are older, you know, if this is a, you know, your business, you know, how's it going to go? And so it's it's just interesting to see where it's going to take us and which path it's going to go. But it goes hand in hand with what we do anyway. I mean, we do internet marketing as our business. And so it's just doing it for ourselves now, right? Yeah. So question. Tell me, is there any country you've been to that you can actually see yourself going back to and planting roots? Yeah, 100%. I'm right now hooked on Nicaragua. I don't know. This place has lured me in and I love it here. I mean, I would make this our winter home, if you will, in a heartbeat. And on the flip side, I love being in Europe. So I really, really, really enjoy Spain. I love the people there. I love the culture and the food and how you have access to everything and just all the history. So I have a few kind of little hot spots that I would definitely say, yeah, I would live here for, you know, and retire here. Not retire, but you know what I mean? Like, make this my home. Yeah, I hate Nicaragua is really inexpensive to live in as well. Cost of living is pretty inexpensive. It's unbelievable. They're saying it's like the new Costa Rica, if you will. And same with Colombia. I mean, I think that's they're in the same boat, right? But um, absolutely, here you can have a really nice lifestyle for a fraction of what it costs in most other countries. So tell us, what drew you into Nicaragua specifically? So we're I'm a small town girl. And right away when I was here, you meet people that are living here and there's this like community feel. You walk out, we were staying in this one place, you walk out, you say the same person every day and the locals are so friendly. So they're like, hey, how's it going? And they talk to you and it's always like, hola, amiga, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're just so friendly. And I don't know, it's just like. Then there's surfing. There's all these really cool surfing beaches, and we're all starting to get into surfing. And so it's just like, I don't know. It's beautiful. There's the most amazing sunsets, and um, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, Corago, uh it hasn't been on you know my radar recently, but I think South America in general is probably the next step after living in Asia for quite some time. So, Chantal, tell us what advice would you give to families who are on the fence about this lifestyle. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. If anything, it's kind of like there's never, ever going to be a right time. Never. So never wait for the perfect time or for everything to line up, because what you will find is if you just take the step forward and start moving towards and making it happen and just doing it, even though nothing makes sense, for some reason, things always just work out and they will work out and just 
try to eliminate that fear of what if this or what if that or, you know, all those things like, oh, well, we should wait till this or we should wait till that. No, just go and do it now. Like, don't wait. You know, (laughs) that's my advice. That's kind of our motto and, you know, how we live our lifestyle. And a lot of people wouldn't agree. And a lot of times what we do doesn't make sense, but it works in the end. And it allows us to have the lifestyle that we're living, which is just dreamy. Sometimes I have to pinch yourself. You're like, am I really here? It's just amazing. That is awesome. Chantel, we would like to say thank you. Thank you to Julia for taking time out for talking to us. I think that was awesome because that also gives parents the aspect from a child's perspective, which I think is awesome. So we really appreciate you taking the time out. We hope to cross paths with you guys at some point in this I lifetime. Hope so too. Yeah. yeah, it would be kind of cool to, to meet up and have a nice meal because I love breaking bread with people. Yeah, continue success and we'll continue to watch on YouTube and watch your family flourish and, and check off all those countries. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be on Chronicles Abroad and uh, look forward to meeting you as well in person one day. For sure. And Chantel, definitely everyone check out uh, Growing Up Without Borders. It's an amazing website. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.